Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Youth and Culture Podcast, where youth ministry and culture collide. I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I am joined with my co-host, David Pinkle. Hey, man. It's uh, good to be here, and I'm glad I'm healthy because most of the people in my house right now are sick. That's right. I forgot you took, you took uh, was it Olivia? Olive. 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 Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Right. I, I just did talk- that in the urgent care too. <laughs> I, did, I just talked to Olivia today, so that's probably the reason why it's on the brain. So you talk, so you took Olive. So now, who else is sick? Oh gracious! Um, Olive, Willow, Eden, Deacon, the baby, Emily, but she's better now. So it's like five out of seven kids and one out of two adults. I'm actually surprised I haven't gotten sick yet because I'm usually the one that goes down hard. Is it the flu? Um. We don't know. Uh, all the tests that we took, I was I had Olive in the urgent care and ER for like eight hours on Monday, um, and they tested for all the things that they could, and all of it came back negative. Chest X-ray was great. They would not test for RSV because she's over five years old, even though RSV is known to be going around in our area. So yeah. that's frustrating because apparently, if you're old enough, they think, oh, it's probably something else even though it could be RSV, but like the computer literally rejected the doctor's order to have it done, the test done. So uh, a few problems with our medical system, you know, just a couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we in our area, we have uh, RSV, flu, COVID's been going around again. Um, also, uh, we have cases of hand, foot, and mouth. Uh, it's just insane right now. Of course, wow. of course, last week we were supposed to release an episode, but my, me and my family, uh, was down with mm-hmm. the flu for a week. Um, but I do have to say this is that I, I had COVID. I didn't have COVID until two years into it. And of course when I, uh, when I had a COVID, it wasn't that bad. It was like a cold, yeah. uh, the flu, this was way worse than what I experienced, uh, with COVID. <laughs> Uh, not saying COVID wasn't bad for some, but it wasn't that bad for me. But well, flu yeah. took a break for two years, so it's coming back strong. <laughs> yeah, and it, it <laughs> is it just me? Does a flu usually come start in January? Uh, no, it starts when it starts getting colder. But I've never heard of, of of the flu in October. Man, you get flu whenever, but um, I've I'll heard like I think seasons like seasonal like when the seasons change um and it starts getting colder, that's when it starts happening. It's not a whole lot. It's more in the middle of the winter when it really happens. But I'm thinking like usually late November, December into the cold months of the early part of the year. Maybe Man, it's I, regional. I don't know. Yeah. He, flu has been bad here. Bad here. Uh, yeah. But anyway, I'm, I'm good and healthy. I'm ready to go. Ready Ooh. for this week's uh, episode. Um, oh, it's a good one, man. It's a good one. Yeah, we... we uh, I ha- had the opportunity to talk with Chad Higgins. He's the parent ministry strategist, a Lifeway, just about parent ministry. Um, mm-hmm. Again, th- this is a, when we talk about parent ministry, 
and you can hear us talk a little about with Chad, is we can define that many, many ways. And I really think that the future of student ministry, the future of family ministry, is really parent ministry and pouring into parents. And that is the, needs to me, that's where the primary focus is going, needs to be now and going to be in the future in student ministry. Yeah, I think I would agree. Uh, I think that's been part of the problem with um, what we saw, at least when we were growing up with the big fun model of youth ministry was uh, parents just, you know, kicking us into the church youth group and saying, here, you do it. And then we're going to go do our own thing and um, not realizing how unhealthy that is. And I think there were some people that knew it back then. Um, My first youth pastor, uh, his name is Mike. And he, I got to intern with him in college, which was really cool. I'm getting to intern with your first youth pastor. And uh, he told me like the whole time, he said, "Youth ministry is parent ministry, man. You, you, if you minister to the adults, you'll have greater effect on the teens because you'll have more people investing in the students than just you. Because you can't do the entire youth group investment in them by yourself." And uh, I was like, "Oh, okay." You know, young idiot in college. I was like, "Oh, it's great advice, man." And now I'm telling people. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. Well, guys, stay tuned for this week's episode. Well, guys, I am super excited uh, who we're interviewing today. He is someone who's been on my list to talk with, uh, but just have not got around to it. So I'm so excited to have this conversation uh, with Chad Higgins, specifically about parent ministry. Uh, parent ministry, is, a, I believe, is a buzzword that's been going around in youth ministry circles the last couple of years. Uh, but I want to have an opportunity to kind of hash this out, this topic uh, with him in relation to uh, youth ministry. Uh, so, Chad, for those who may not know who you are, how about you introduce yourself a little bit, your journey in ministry and where you are today? Yeah. So, first of all, man, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to always get to to be a part of these and 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 really just have a conversation and and talk with you a little bit today, Ryan, and I hope that our, our dialogue can be useful for anyone who's listening. Uh, but my name is Chad Higgins. I serve as uh, the parent ministry specialist for LifeWay students. Um, me and my best friend in the world, Zach Workin, have um, been working with LifeWay over the last couple of years. Uh, we started an organization called Youth Ministry Booster that uh, does training and, uh, and really just encouragement and connection for youth pastors with one another. Um, and then we became part of the LifeWay team in uh, 2018. And over the last year, specifically starting at the beginning of the year, uh, LifeWay began to really uh, realize that, like you said, parent ministry is becoming one of these topics that's being talked about a whole lot. Um, we need to really think about how we can uh, begin to just equip and encourage the church um, 
in the pursuit of doing parent ministry really well. And so I transitioned into this new role of parent ministry specialist to give some oversight and direction um, for LifeWay students uh, in the parent ministry field. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I've been doing student ministry since 2003. Um, the last few years working in the local church, I served as a campus pastor and some uh, adult discipleship roles. And so parent ministry has been one that uh, I have both as a student minister spent a lot of time thinking about and implementing, but then also as a campus pastor, seeing the usefulness uh, of parent ministry um, when it's done really well at both the children and the student level. Yeah, that kind of brings in, we were talking about, of course, we're talking about parent ministry. And when we say that word, uh, that can be defined uh, different ways by different people. And like anything, you kind of have to define your terms a little bit, what you mean by parent ministry. So parent ministry, again, can be described in many ways. So how would you describe it in the context of youth ministry? Yeah, so I think that's a really, really good question. Um, and one that I actually don't want to give a specific definition to. And the reason that I don't want to give a specific definition to is like any form of ministry in our church, context really does matter. And I think that like mission and vision and strategy of the local church um, needs to be able to define what parent ministry looks like for themselves. Um, ho hopefully we all serve at a church that we've at least thought through and defined what does discipleship look like for us, right? Like, how do we disciple people? What does discipleship look like? Uh, how are we making disciples? How are we like multiplying disciples? All of these kind of questions. And so I think the, the big concept to really draw from when we start thinking about parent ministry and specifically student ministry and that connection is really understanding, okay, if we're trying to make disciples and we're going to identify as a student minister, I want to make disciples of teenage students, middle school, high school students. I believe that there's a lot of wisdom in understanding that specifically for those younger students, their parents are still a very, very big part of their life at all levels. And so if we're going to really effectively disciple uh, teenagers, there is an element of equipping and training mom and dad to do that as well. Um, the likelihood of a student carrying their faith on into adulthood, there is a very clear correlation between the faithfulness of their parents as well. When we see kids uh, growing up in homes where mom and dad have their own walk with the Lord, and that 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 walk is lived out, um, the likelihood that that kid will carry those values into their adulthood um, goes up drastically. Now, that's not to say that you know, obviously, we've all seen kids come from broken homes that they're really the first one out of their family that even becomes a believer. Those happen, and praise the Lord for that. Um, but as, as a church, how do we, um, how do we connect with parents? How do we encourage parents? So I, I want to ask you a question as we define this, that I want you to think about for a moment, because this is one that I've spent the better part of this year thinking through. 
um, churches say a statement like this to parents a lot lately. You're the primary discipler of their kid. Have you heard this statement? Absolutely. Yeah. If you're the average mom and dad sitting in a Sunday morning service, and they hear their senior pastor or their youth pastor make the statement, you're the primary discipler of their kid. What do you think mom and dad hears? That, well, it depends on your context, but some right. may assume that, um, okay, the church is not doing their job. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. Like, like oh, wait, hold on. We, we brought our kid. We're here. Yeah. Like, are you supposed to be... You're, we, we're somewhat paying your salary, buddy. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To figure that out. And you're, it's like, um, it's like if you went into McDonald's, right? And you were like, hey, I'd like a burger. And they're like, you're the primary patty flipper here in this, you know, <laughs> establishment. Uh, but yeah, so I think, I think some parents hear that. Um, I think some parents identify with it they're probably going okay i i agree with that I, I agree that i have an influence of in my students life i i believe that um in the same way that i'm the primary protector of my kid you know those those kind of concepts ring ring true but i think for a lot of our parents when they hear a phrase like you're the primary disciple of your kids they're going okay I, I even if they agree with it what does that look like right like uh i got them here right like i thought i thought that was my my part of this uh this whole interaction um or you know i get on to them if i see them sinning or something like that and i think for parents uh for the church to identify and that's why i didn't want to give a specific ex uh, definition because if your church has a very clear mission or, you know, vision of what you're about, then I think there needs to be some healthy examination of going, okay, how do we then help give our parents language as a part of this church, as members of this church, called together in community to carry out this vision? How do we do that in our homes? And I think as, as ministers, we need to be able to not only communicate, okay, this is my vision. This is who I want to see students become, live out. Okay, if that's true, then what is the role then that you're asking mom and dad to be a part of so that that can be true? Does that make sense? I, I think for mm -hmm. me, that's the... Um, that's kind of the piece that we've really got to be thinking through to, to define parent ministry well. If we don't, then my worry is that we simply just, we're grabbing somebody else's vision statement. And I think that was done a lot in like the 90s and 2000s. It's like, you know, you just go on some other church's website and you're like, all right, what's their vision statement? you know copy and paste copy paste to make disciples of all nations i like it you know what i mean and and then there's never really a national thought you know what i mean in what you're doing yeah you brought up a good point and i kind of want to just camp on that just just for a minute um is is you're kind of in my mind you're kind of hitting this idea of of if ask also asking this question is what is the role of, as pastors hmm. 
our, our role as a pastor is to equip equip others for ministry. And part of that is equipping parents. So you just, you just brought a great point of you may have the philosophies and say, hey, you're supposed to be the primary discipler. And even we, even in my context, where in my ministry, we preach that as well. Yeah. That's our entire church philosophy. Uh, but if we're not equipping parents into that philosophy, then you're failing at yeah. your mission. Um, so I know I, I totally agree with that. And, and I think, and I really do believe that a lot of ministries may say that and quote it, but not necessarily act on it. Right. There's a difference between saying it and acting on it. Well, because I, I think that, I think there is, I don't think it's intentional. I think that for many, just ministers in general, the the Lord has for sure gifted us for the calling that he's put in front of us, right? And so I think for us, we believe that ministry and discipleship is more natural than for many people it feels. Correct. And so for you and I, we may look at somebody and go, we'll go make a disciple. And in their mind, they're hearing that and they're going, what does that even mean? How do I do that? Um, because for them, the way that, for the most part, they've been made disciple has been this calling to come sit in a room Sunday morning from 930 to 1045, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And attend a Sunday school class before or after or a small group, you know what I mean, at their house. And so when we call them to that, because that's what's been replicated for many of them, that's this belief process. So what are you calling me to do? Like you're calling me to like prepare a sermon or lead a small group in my home? Like I, I don't know what that means or what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And specifically when we're talking about parent ministry and we're asking them to do that, most of them – the the parent age range that we're looking at are these like you know elder millennials or even like gen xers that their their parents definitely had that model of you just get them to church mm -hmm. um, you just get them there and that's your part and so that's all they've ever been taught or they've seen from mom and dad now some of them have seen parents who've walked faithfully with the lord and these, I would say, for the most part, are the families that really begin to get this, right? Of going, okay, I know what parent ministry looks like because I was raised in a home where I, I saw my parents engage in God's word. I saw my parents begin to teach us to pray, even if it was just bedtime and mealtime, right? I saw parents serve the local church, like these kind of things that we can really start to see as like some healthy parent ministry. Yeah. You brought up something. And again, I don't want to, so this is a whole nother podcast, uh, this, this topic. So I don't want to spend too much time on this, but you're kind of hitting uh, something that's very much, um, I guess, again, this is over maybe a little bit of a generalization, but when you look at research, you look at what's out there when it comes to overall uh, discipleship, um, and my belief is that the church at, at large, very much in, West, in our American culture, has failed in this, I, this concept of actually making disciples who make disciples. Yeah. And I think that, that 
right there has trickled in and affected parent ministry for his parents in a sense they under, may understand they're supposed to be the primary discipler, but they've never been discipled right. themselves. Right. So, yeah, I, so I, there's, a, there's a big breakdown. Like, mm-hmm. and, and, and honestly, I think that if the church really wraps their arms around parent ministry well, I think that you could have a lot of success on overall discipleship. Um, because it's probably much more natural and an easier learning ground for adults to begin to learn what discipleship itself looks like. Because li- like it or not, it especially when we can start younger, it is more natural for a parent to begin to teach these biblical principles or to just live out their faith in front of their kids as, as an entry point for them to begin to do that with people that they work with or other people in the church. If we can begin to train adults how to disciple their children well, then we already have adults that can disciple other adults well. And, and I think that that's a big piece of this puzzle for us. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Um, again, and again, like we've been saying, it, the, it looks different in different contexts. Uh, different cultures, how how you go about doing that, but but that should be as a church, as a, as it should be our goal, is to ultimately make disciples within our churches that make disciples. Yeah, I agree. Multi- multiplication. Um, but there's another thing I want to I want to just gonna hit on is and ask you and and is most I, in my opinion again this is a generalization. Uh, this is based off of my experiences, perceptions of youth pastors I've talked to all over the country and my own personal experiences. But uh, most youth ministries, I believe, are designed with the sole focus being on students. Mm-hmm. Um, how can a ministry shift to also minister to parents? So <clears throat> I, I think what we're we're talking about here um, at its core is a little bit of the staff expectation, right? Um, because for us to shift, um, at, at some level, we have we have a ministry and then we have a job, right? Like, I, I, I don't want to, like, dilute that or talk crass about the fact that, like, for many of us listening, like, serving in a local church, like, Yes, you're called to ministry, but there's also a piece of this puzzle that like puts food on your family's table. Um, And I think there is some worry for many youth pastors. It's like, if I spend so much of my time focusing on parents, will I then either not have enough time to do the student side of this well, um, or is it just going to burn me out and my family out? Because now I'm like already looking at a packed full schedule and trying to add other things to it. The thing that I would encourage is this. At some level, your church is already doing adult ministry, right? And you're doing student ministry or children's ministry as well all of those ministries can become very siloed. And a lot of times over the last probably 15 years, siloed ministries been something that's been talked about a lot in like ministry circles and breaking down these silos. But most of the time what those those conversations are about 
is really just helping children's and youth work together, right? Like, yeah. let, mm-hmm. let's make that transition from, you know, fifth grade to sixth grade to seventh grade as easy as possible so we don't lose children. But if we go a step deeper, what's really being said is that we don't lose families. Um, that Because when that transition happens and you have a sixth grader in children's ministry that was really, really plugged in, and they move into middle school, and let's say they don't fit in that student ministry, right? Like they're, they, they don't feel like they belong. You will see a family that was maybe really connected to the church. They will begin to like look at other churches and things like that. And that causes some internal tension that happens inside that church, right? And senior pastor steps into that youth pastor's office and they're like, how come the Joneses are leaving? And then like, if you've been in that spot, you know the like feeling that that has. Of like, what did I do wrong? I think for us and, and specifically student ministry, it's beginning to break down that wall between even not just us and children's ministry to make sure those transitions happen well, but to break down that wall between youth ministry and adult ministry. So one of the first questions that I would ask is, how well do you know the Sunday school leaders or the small group leaders of the majority of the families that have students in your student ministry? Because I think a lot of times when we start thinking parent ministry, we start thinking of big new initiatives and big new projects and all of these kind of things. But I think some of it is that ministry work of getting to know, okay, who is pouring into the spiritual health of these adults and how do we help bridge that gap? Because really, I think what great parent discipleship of kids is, is mom and dad walking faithfully with the Lord and engaging conversation with their students. Because if a student can see mom and dad living out their faith authentically and real, both in public and in home, um, then that student's going to have encouragement to do that for themselves. So here was a stat that like kind of has my head spinning. And and we'll play a little game for a moment, okay? Of average church-going families, okay? Means meaning that we see these families at least twice a month inside of our normal Sunday morning service. If not, you know, their students are in children's, youth probably almost weekly. Of those average church-going families, what percentage of them do you think have conversation at home about faith at all throughout the week? Give me Uh, a percentage. (laughs) These aren't just like we never see these families. These are our average church-going families. If I had to throw a statistic out there, just out of my out of my tail, um, I would say about twenty percent. Twenty-seven percent, so close, right? I mean, you're probably within a margin of error right there. That, that sounds about right. Seventy-three percent of our families that we see on a regular basis never talk about faith at all. I. I think we have to understand when we're talking about parent ministry at this point, 
I pray and I hope that this is a very different conversation 15 to 20 years from now. But at the point that we're at now, we need to understand as a church that we are at ground level when it comes to this. And so to set up expectations for families, like if your expectation is that, you know, you're going to have this like, I don't know, church service happening at, you know, each of your family's homes, that's probably a pretty big hurdle to jump over, right? But if we're trying to just help mom and dad at this point be in their Bible in front of their kid, open up a conversation at some level about faith. Um, You know what, as silly as it sounds, like, let's just try to like, own Sunday dinner together again. You know what I mean? Like, I think that would be a beautiful initiative. And and one we're beginning to think about how do we, how do we start making a campaign around this idea of let's just own Sunday lunch, help our families begin to think through, like, I've just heard something, right? I've just sat in a service where the word of God was opened, proclamation was made. Now, how do I just, and, and, you don't have to go. We're not talking about go home and make the roast beef. Go to Taco Bell and just have dad say, hey, what what did you, what you hear today? Like, what you know what I mean? Little things like that and just helping parents realize that like, hey, it is baby steps. But I think we'll see, and, and I have seen, when families begin to take baby steps, that's a downhill slope that they begin to run very quickly on. And they start to see the fruit of that. Um, and so I think helping churches realize that, like, we're not trying to create something new here. We're just trying to bridge the gap. And so for youth pastors realizing, okay, who are these small group leaders that are leading these adults? How can I just, how can I ask that small group leader? Will you, will you add one question to your small group time every week at the very end? Just one question. How do we teach this to our kids this week? That's it. Like, you want to build on that over time, right? But at the beginning, what would, what would it look like if all the small groups in your church, your adult small groups, asked that question at the end of every single one of their small group times? Because now you have adults beginning to think about how do I, how do I do this? How do I talk? We just talked as adults about God's grace. How do I teach that to my six-year-old? How do I teach that to my 14-year-old? And what does that look like? I think you're going to do two things in that. One, you're going to encourage parent discipleship in that space, but you're going to get parents talking to each other about raising their kids. And I think that's what parents need and want. Um, parents are engaging in our church for real life application of their faith into their life, specifically like millennial age parents of kids who have maybe drifted away from the church and are coming back. Um, they feel overwhelmed. Uh, <laughs> they're going, this parenting thing is really hard and I'm exhausted. And so they're looking for application. They're looking at more than just, okay, this is, I, I got some, you know, good tidbits of 
you know, scriptural insight, but how do I apply this? How does it change things? How does it help my marriage? How do I feel somewhat successful raising kids? All of these questions. And how do I make friends? Adults want friends. And, um, and I think that that's an often overlooked thing. Um, the isolation that's happened for adults, specifically over the last two years, has grown even, even more. Um, you've got a lot of specifically dads that have really no friends. Um, or at least any good friends. They may have some old friends that they have from like college or high school that may not be the best influences. And so uh, in the same way that students are looking for friends, so are adults. And so I think helping churches create space for parents to connect at a parent level with one another and realize, hey, I actually kind of like these people um, will really help your church both grow numerically, but also grow spiritually. No, absolutely. And you hit on so many good points. And I, man, I wish we had more time to kind of hash some of that out. But there's some more things I just want to us to hit on. You kind of talked about this a little bit hit and briefly hit on it. Uh, this idea that there has to be, which leads to the next thing I want to ask, but the, this idea that that discipleship, parent ministry, parent discipleship is something that has to be a DNA within your church staff. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, it can't just be a children's ministry thing or a youth or student ministry thing. It has to be uh, a the DNA philosophy ministry strategy of your entire entire church ministry. So that kind of leads to the next thing I, I want to ask is is what for those those youth pastors and student student leaders who are in maybe in ministries to where this is not going on effectively right now within their churches. How can they create uh, support or buy-in from their senior leader to make this type of change within ministry um, abroad, like whether it's church ministry across the whole or little bits and pieces to make this happen within their church? What's some, what's some advice you would give for youth leaders maybe in those type of contexts? Let, let me ask you this question. What do you think that the senior leader wants? I would say the average one will say yes when it comes to discipleship and parent ministry. They will be on board. Okay. But, but I think, I, yeah, I, I would agree. I think, I think a lot of times that, that senior leader, and, and I, this is going to sound negative, and it, it's really not, but a lot of your senior leadership, they want healthy children's ministry, healthy youth ministry, and, and not to neglect the kids and the youth. I mean, they do. I, I've sat in that seat. Like, you want that child and you want that youth to, like, know the Lord. You know what I mean? Like, love the Lord, follow the Lord. Um, but as the adult leader... Like we, we all, we all selfishly care about our little space. You know what I mean? Like not in a bad way, but we do, right? Like you, you want a really healthy children's ministry, but like you wouldn't be okay if you had a, like a really healthy children's ministry, but your student ministry is struggling, right? Like let's be realistic. Like you want a healthy youth ministry, 
in the same way that senior pastor, I mean, he feels um, a pressure for everyone in the congregation, but there is that level like that Sunday morning for many of our senior leaders is really important. And, and so having families in that space is important to them. And so trying to get mom and dad, our parent ministry as seen as important by your senior leadership, they're going to begin to ask the same question that I think is the tension for most youth pastors. Hey, if my youth pastor is trying to focus on parent ministry, are they going to be focusing on student ministry? And if students aren't connected and involved, are we going to be losing parents? You know what I mean? All of these kind of questions. And so I think first and foremost, it is building that relationship with that senior leadership that you are trusted. I would say if you're a brand new student minister to a new church and parent ministry isn't a driving factor, this is probably not this like philosophical change that you lead through month one. You don't have the relational credibility at that point. I think you can begin to lay the functions for that. You can begin to communicate to parents really, really well. I think that's a huge piece of it. Nobody's going to get balked at, you know, for doing that extremely well. Um, I think that's a piece of parent ministry. Um, For so many parents, they don't feel like they know what's going on. And so making sure that they're communicated with on both um, the nuts and bolts of your ministry, but here's what we're teaching your kids. We want you to be knowing of that and then laying that foundation for them as you begin to build in that. but but getting to know them, I think that there are certain things that student pastors already do that I think are just worth making a little bit of a mental shift for ourselves and starting to understand them for what they are. The easy example that I always give is the student event. Um, we spend a lot of time throughout the week that are beyond our normal eight to five to go to the football game, the basketball game, the music recital, all of these kind of things. And I think historically, we've always seen those spaces as student ministry, right? We're there to connect with students. And if you'll think through it, you probably walk in that gym and you head to the student section, you say hi to, you know, all the kids that you know that aren't on the you know game, all that kind of stuff, and you connect with them. And, and that's great. We don't neglect doing that, right? We're student pastor. But I think realizing that, okay, this for me is actually primarily parent ministry time. I'm going to walk by and I'm going to say hi to all those students. I want them to see them there. I'm going to connect with their friends, all that kind of stuff. But the majority of that, like, four quarters that is happening, right, it's really easy just to sit up in the stands, maybe with our own family, and watch a game until it's over, and you work your way down to the, you know, the field, and you take a picture with the kid that you were there to watch, right? I think seeing that space and time as an opportunity to go and gravitate towards the parents in that crowd is one that we've got to grasp onto and see 
And so I think taking time to do that, utilizing those spaces and helping your senior pastor realize like, hey, as we try to disciple parents, part of this is ministry relationship of us connecting with moms and dads, buying moms and dads coffee or lunch or these kind of things throughout the week. Um, your students, for many, I, I hear this often, as schools close down more and youth pastors are not allowed onto campuses, you can still get in the workplace of many of moms and dads in your community. And so shifting some of that time that we may have gone to high school lunch to trying to, to set up meetings with moms and dads is no more time spent by us, but it's just a refocusing in some of these areas. Um, and the payoff is huge. Uh, if you connect with mom and dad, um, we're going to fight some of those battles of that kid that's like, nah, I don't necessarily want to go to camp. It's a lot easier to go to mom and dad that you already have a good relationship with when that kid's like, well, I don't know if I want to go to camp. And then dad's just like, no, you're going to camp, right? Like end of statement, we're done. You're going to camp. You will have more parents when you've relationally invested in them that will stand on that side because they know that they know what you have to offer they've trusted you and you've been able to adequately communicate the value of camp to them. Because if mom and dad just think camp is this fun thing to go to and they don't understand the significant value and have heard from you in that, then when the kid doesn't want to go, that's fine. It's just another fun thing. Um, it's why I hear so many youth pastors get frustrated when a kid gets grounded from Wednesday night. Well, they get grounded from Wednesday night, maybe because it's fun and their kid wants to go to it, and I get that. But oftentimes parents don't see the like spiritual value of what they're grounding their kid from. And I think we can bridge that gap in having those connections, those relational moments, and over and over in key key opportunities, speaking value into uh, that conversation with that family. Yeah, there's two things that you uh, mentioned that I kind of want to hash out a little bit. And the first one is uh, communication, uh, where, I, where I am a huge advocate of good, clear, consistent communication with parents. Um, I know that everyone who, who most the I think the downfall of a lot of youth pastors, uh, for its personality wise, is that there are a lot, and this is this is not just youth pastors. I'm picking on youth pastors, yeah. but this is beyond beyond just that role. There's uh, not very administrative minded. Sure, uh, don't have the gift of administration, and communication is kind of tied into that. Uh, but that is something whether you are good at it or you're not, you make it a priority. Um, because I do agree, having very good, clear communication of, of what to, what is your ministry philosophy in your student ministry? What is your mission uh, in your student ministry? What are you teaching? And giving that, constantly communicating that to parents and even giving parents uh, tips uh, for asking questions uh, that they can ask based off of what you're teaching in the home and having spiritual conversations and having those communications. And that's one thing I love about um, Parent Partner for LifeWay 
Uh, I think you know you and um, uh, also uh, Ben and Zach and others kind of poured into that. Uh, is that it allow it gives parents something simple, uh, something very simple and practical to build type of uh, of spiritual communication with the home. But that in itself is a form of communication, yeah. and and so learning how to communicate well goes a long, long way. Um, also, you pointed out as well with that uh, is the relationship aspect, and I totally agree. And I think that's something that uh, was neglected for a long time in youth ministry. And I think it, there's a shift that's happening, and it's exciting for me to see that yeah. in student ministry. That shift of realizing that building relationships with parents is fundamental now in student ministry. Uh, parents are not the bad guys, right? <laughs> Not, I think for a long time, I, uh, there was a sense that, um, not, I guess, not intentionally, uh, but seen as, as putting parents at almost like a distance. Um, and, and yeah, because I agree with you, if you, have, if you built relationship with parents, your parents will always, not always, I guess, I guess that's too strong, but majority of the time support and have your back at what you're doing in ministry. Um, and how, and also in discipleship when it comes to the kids. Um, so again, your relationship is and relationship and communication is fundamental in my opinion, when it comes to any youth ministry. And I think that's in some ways that can also is a way of leading up, um, as well, uh, when it comes to other ministries within your, within a church, if you're in a church setting that hasn't, that's that the staff is not congruent together in a unity when it comes when it comes to discipling parents and, and moving towards that. But it's a, also a way of leading up in the aspect if you're in that situation. Right. Well, and and two, just the like relational credibility that you gain internally as a staff too. Right. Like, I think a lot of times, and you ask that question, like, how do we get our senior leader on board? I think I think maybe the the way that we rephrase that in, even in our own thought is how do we join our senior pastor or our discipleship pastor and the work that they're doing right and because if if we just want them to like come to our stuff and be aware of what's happening in youth ministry and we forget the fact that okay like there is adult discipleship happening so how do I connect parents that I see their kids on a Wednesday night, but mom and dad don't go to church? We need to be thoughtful of that. We need, we need to go, okay, my, my role is not just to get the small group, you know, guy to care about when camp is, but how do I, how do I work with him? Because I've got a new student here that's been showing up on Wednesday night consistently for the last month. Mom and dad aren't connected to our church. How do I how do I make that connection? How do I send the email to our senior pastor and connect these new parents? You know, because I got their email, or maybe I went and I met them at a game, and I don't have to feel like I've also got to do adult ministry, but I can connect. In the same way that we would want our senior leader, if they met a family, right? They met mom and dad, and their kids kind of standoffish. 
we would hope that that senior leader would try to get that kid to come to our Wednesday night stuff. And so we've got it. We've got to bridge that like office hall to really work with that adult leadership of going, okay, hey, tell me about what the scope of small group looks like for our adults over the next, you know, fall. And and I think there's some thought that we're trying to put through of going, okay, if mom and dad is hearing this through the fall, and it may look very different, right, in student ministry, but how do we begin to help families get on the same page? How do we utilize space that parents are in to talk through things like discipleship? And, and when we begin to have those conversations and your senior leadership, specifically a younger youth pastor, dude, if you're, if you're a senior pastor and have been there for a church for a long time and your 21-year-old youth pastor walks in your office and goes, hey, tell me, how, tell me what adult discipleship is going to look like in the fall because I really want to think through our teaching schedule and how to help parents and families have these conversations at home. You know what I, as a senior leader, are immediately going to hear right there? I'm like, I'm keeping this dude forever. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> like, that's what you yeah. want. Uh, and, 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 and what you're hearing like, is some thoughtfulness. It's some care of those families. It's not just, you know, you know, hey, we were we were playing this game with all these balls in the sanctuary and another light got broken. And I think that a lot of times, like, that's the bad representation that youth pastors get because that's the only time we're walking into that senior leader's office. And I think that we've got to be mindful of those areas and bridge that gap. Yeah, you brought, you brought up a, a good... Uh, good way you phrase it. Again, that question uh, should have been phrased exactly the way you said it when it comes to partnering with senior leadership, because what you said is very, very true. Um, and I guess a lot of a lot of uh, younger youth pastors, younger pastors don't understand uh, the amount of pressure and weight that a senior leader deals with on a day-to-day basis, week-to-week basis. Um, and I grew. I, I'm one of the few. I've, I grew up in ministry, so my, I got to see my grandfather, uh, his pastor in my, my home church for 40 plus years, and, and I got to see some of the stuff he dealt with, the good, bad, and the ugly. Um, so I got to, uh, as a preacher's kid, see that a lot. So I know they deal with a lot of pressure and a lot of things. I do, I do way you phrase it is it, perfect in a sense of, of you got to check your attitude and how you approach things when it comes within your context, your ministry context. So I do agree that all of us, to a point, are very selfish when it comes to our ministries. Uh, want things to be a certain way, and that attitude of selfishness and pride, if it's not in check, can damage your relationships uh, with other staff members within your ministry. Um, so how you approach this aspect of parents' ministry is also vitally important. So I 100% agree with that as well. Well, I think there's just a way to make sure everybody on our team knows that, like, that you're in their corner. Like, because, I mean, we know that, like, 
at, at some level, our student ministry will be stunted if there are other areas of our church that aren't healthy. Like, it's hard to keep a family if, you know, the high school kid loves being there, but the parents hate it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. in the same way, like, if the kids' stuff's not going well, like, we we all, whether we know it or not, we're working a single piece of the puzzle. But, and we can call it whatever you want. You can call it parent ministry, but you can just call it ministry as a church. And the more that we can realize that, like, yeah, we have different events and different theming and branding and all that kind of stuff that happens at the individual ministry level, but we're all on one team. Like your church staff is one team. And the more that you can all see that and work towards that, and to do that well, it is utilizing the giftings of each other and seeing like, there's a vested interest in making sure that your adult Sunday school or small groups are healthy. Um, and I think that there's ways to do that and invitations to be made of, I, I think specifically because we're at that beginning level for youth pastors that are already spent, instead of creating something new, how do we utilize the space that we're already doing? you're going to have the parent meeting before camp, right? The question is whether or not you're just going to utilize the parent meeting before camp to go over the nuts and bolts of camp and what time the bus leaves and make sure that your insurance forms turned in, or you're going to get strategic and go, okay, we got to go over all that, but I'm going to invite all of my adult small group leaders to come that night and they're going to try to connect with moms and dads in the rooms that aren't in any of our small groups. It's little things like that, that we can start thinking through the next level of it that doesn't really put a lot more on our plate that begins to minister to parents even better, getting them connected to one another getting them connected into our small groups, getting them connected deeper into our church, giving them opportunities to serve. I think there's my, my encouragement to you as we all begin this, and I don't mean you, I mean the listener, for all of us to do this is to not just think of parent ministry as the stuffy and the old, but to also take opportunities to invite parents into some fun stuff. There are probably really fun stuff that we do during the summers that if we took opportunity to also invite moms and dads into it, we could create some real joy that happened in our family uh, that would create the fun, you know, connection piece. Like for the slip and slide dodgeball thing to not just be students, but to be students and parents. And it doesn't happen at need to happen at every event. Like I get that, right? Like kids don't want their parents at every single thing they do. <laughs> but to have that one thing a year that is super fun, because for the youth pastor, here's what I want you to see in that. You're going to connect with parents that will have a blast. They'll connect with each other during events like that. 
you can bring the grill, all those kind of things. You're going to also find that when you start doing things like that really well, you're going to find some incredible volunteers as well. Because you're going to see that dad get out there and have an absolute blast. And he's going to think it's the funnest thing ever that he got to play kickball again at 37 years old. And that's the dude that you're going to go up to afterwards and go, hey, can I grab you? Can I grab coffee with you? And you're going to find out, right, he's actually a pretty solid dude. And you're going to invite him to become a small group leader for you. And he's going to be a rock star. And it's opportunities like that of connecting and utilizing space that you can really build a healthy ministry, not just parent ministry, but student ministry and a church. Absolutely. Well, Chad, man, we can talk about this all day. I love uh, this opportunity to talk to you about parent ministry. I think it's vital. Um, you brought up some great points over refocusing uh, your mentality of how you approach uh, ministry and in your own ministry and just doing some simple, practical things uh, within our ministries when it comes with parents. So uh, for those of us, to those who may want to get connected with you, um, either to talk to you more about uh, parent ministry or other topics as well, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Yeah, email is probably the best way to get in contact with me, chad.higgins at lifeway.com. Um, you can reach out on Facebook, Instagram, any of those kind of things. Um, I think I'm at Chad Higgins or Chad Higg uh, at, on Instagram. Um, but you can, yeah, reach out to me. I'd love to connect. I'm really bad at social media. Most of the time, I just post photos of my own family. I'm really not one of those dudes. It's like, what's up? Yeah, social media. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so, but yeah, email me. I'd love to connect in any way uh, and serve, serve you in the church world. Well, Chad, I want to thank you for taking your time to come out of the podcast today. You bet. Thanks, bud. Man, that that when parent ministry is such a vital part um, of student ministry. I'm so glad uh, that Chad, what Chad's doing uh, there at Lifeway, uh, even Zach to a point. Zach's been kind of Zach working is kind of pushing into this too uh, about parent ministry mm-hmm. and the importance of it. And uh, I I am excited to see that student ministry is refocusing away from a silo mentality of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's drop off your kids. You stay there. You disciple my kids. Uh, to let's invest in parents and equipping them as they disciple their kids. Because again, a lot of us here pro- probably have heard, have heard uh, the statistics, research that roughly that the average uh, teenager student go if they go to if they go to the student ministry. Uh, and they go every single Sunday and they go to some of the activities and whatnot, you're looking about a 60-something to 70 hours a year. That's that's it. Whether, depending on extra activities um, and whatnot, you're looking between 1,500 to 2,000 hours that they spend with their parents Mm -hmm. a year. So th- that is a huge difference yeah. uh, between the investment quality and the intentionality. Um, and that's the reason why parent, parents can't rely on student ministry dropping off their kid for an hour, hour and a half every Sunday 
uh, and that is discipleship. Uh, that is, again, there should be should discipleship be happening in student ministries. Absolutely, that should be the yeah. primary focus. But uh, that being the only type of spiritual influence just doesn't work. It, yeah, I agree, and and I think that there's been, um, and I'll just keep this to my area because I can't speak for the whole country, but there's been an uptick in uh, dads in my area who have started waking up and going, hmm, something's wrong. I need to do something different. <laughs> and um, being able to step in and say, hey, um, hey, I'll help you out. You know, what do you need? Uh, what are you looking for? Um, obviously, it's Jesus, but, you know, you want some details <laughs> with that uh, and how to point your kids to Jesus and um, teach them how to be uh, who they've been called to be by modeling it for them. And uh, being able to invest in dads um, and disciple dads has been pretty cool. Um, I know that one of the things that a lot of youth pastors will probably struggle with in this area is the fact that there's a good chance that there's a population of youth pastors that are going to be younger than most of the parents in the student ministry. So how do you disciple somebody that's older than you? Well, they may not have been discipled by their parent. So they're coming at this blind. Um, so coming at the situation from the angle of I'm here to help and give you the tools that I've been given by those who are older and wiser than me, um, sharing what has been discipled into your life with these guys is a great way to do it. And a lot of the stuff that Chad talked about today, uh, I, I, you know, I listened, uh, I, I try to listen to these uh, before we uh, record to make sure that I'm fresh on it. But even after that, I still go back and listen to the episode when it comes out again, because uh, Chad was spitting fire today. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's going to be good for me, especially as I've got a kid in my house who's going to be in youth ministry in two years, which is absolutely terrifying as a father. Um, <laughs> trying to invest in my own kids while still doing youth ministry on the level that I'll be doing it is is pretty interesting. But I think it's uh, I think this is going to be a really helpful episode for people. So, if this was helpful for you, and I hope it was, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you have not yet, uh, we'd love to have you just do a comment or star review on whatever platform will allow it. And uh, that'll allow us to not only hear from you guys, but it'll also keep our content near the top of the search results so that when people are looking for uh, solid, ongoing, current content for youth ministry, they'll find a podcast that's still uh, recording episodes. And that's, that's good. Uh, and if there's a topic you'd like for us to cover or go back over that we haven't hit yet, or maybe it's been a while, we'd love to hear from you there. And we can be reached on social media. We have a Facebook page, Youth and Culture podcast page, and we also have a group on Facebook. If you want to hop in there and just talk ministry with us and the others that are part of the group, we would love to hear from you. Well, guys, stay tuned for our next episode.